Lots of people believe they will go to heaven if their good outweighs the bad. The woman in our story believed that she would go to heaven unless she did something abnormally wrong. Was she right? Let's get into it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. I'm Timothy Gregory, bringing to you the story of a woman who shoplifted from store to store, moved from city to city, and man to man, yet still believed she was good enough for heaven based on her Jewish heritage. We'll get into that and more on today's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. All right, let's get to it, folks. The classic true story of Becky Kelly. Ricky did what? She tried to carry ice cream out of the store under her coat. And they caught her? Yeah, they called and told me. She's not allowed to go there anymore. What was her last time? She went in there and ate cookies right out of the box. What are we going to do with her, Cal? My daughter, a thief. She could go into insulin shock eating all those sweets. She's out of control, completely out of control. Maybe we should take her to the mental health clinic. Why? She's not crazy. Greedy, maybe. Dishonest for sure, but not crazy. Not at her age. I heard diabetes is easier to control when you're happy. Why should she be unhappy? I don't know. I try to love her, but she seems to get more sullen every day. Perhaps she's old enough to react to the death of her mother. Why don't I take her to the Jewish hospital? They have a mental health clinic. Maybe they can help her. So take her already. I've run out of patience. Born into a family of reformed Jews in Brooklyn, the woman in our story was nine years old and already a thief. There was worse to come, as we'll observe, from the classic true life story of Becky Kelly, right now on Unshackled. All my grandparents fled Tsarist Russia during the pogroms and settled in New York City. So I was surrounded by relatives with a nurturing family life centered on Judaism. We lived in the same neighborhood, lit Sabbath candles, and went to the synagogue on Friday nights together. I can still hear my father intoning the Shema Israel in Hebrew. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. My father was a sewing machine mechanic in the garment district of New York when my mother died of lupus a few months after my brother was born. I was nearly five when dad remarried the woman I knew as mom. But as I grew older, I resented her, especially after I was diagnosed with diabetes and put on a restricted diet. I began stealing from the neighbors, from stores and from kids at school to get the sweets denied me. I ended up back in the hospital and the diet was lifted, but I kept stealing things and lying. So they sent me every week to the mental health clinic. I was a teenager when I met Solly there. That was a fun Christmas party. Kind of weird, don't you think? A Jewish hospital having a Christmas party? Who cares? I loved it. How long you been coming here, Rebecca? Five years. 
Call me Ricky. Everyone else does. Why do they call you Ricky? I have two other cousins named Rebecca after our grandmother, so we all have nicknames. Ah, well, what have you learned in the five years? Nothing. I still resent most people, including my stepmother. I can think of worse things. Whatever you can think of, I've tried. A rebel, huh? Well, I steal from most people, and I like boys. Lots of boys. And nothing wrong with that. You like sports? I'm not allowed to play sports because I have diabetes, and they're afraid I'll go into insulin shock. Well, thanks for walking me to the subway station, Solly. We spent time together, but our relationship was platonic, unlike all the other boys in my life. By the time I was in high school, I had a bad reputation. Hey, I'm listening to that. Ricky, the school called today. They said the janitor caught you in the stairwell with a boy. It was someone else. Besides, the janitor is a liar. No, it wasn't someone else. He found your purse there and took it to the office. I dropped my purse. So what? Ricky, stop lying. Your father and I are fed up with your running around. You're boy crazy, so we're gonna send you to an all-girls school. That's lousy! You brought it on yourself. I went from a totally Jewish environment to a non-Jewish one and had to take two subway trains to reach the school. So my running around with boys ended abruptly. But I had a longing within me that I tried to fill up with anybody or anything. I continued to steal, even a teacher's wallet, so I could buy the sweets I craved. When I was 15, we moved to Long Island and I returned to a co-ed high school. Sally and I quit seeing each other because I no longer went to the clinic. At 16, I stole a girl's wallet and ran away from home. A few days later, I became very ill and ended up in the hospital where a woman in the bed next to mine persuaded me to let them call my parents. Why do you run away, Ricky? I hate school, Dad. Why didn't you at least call us? You gave us a terrible scare. I knew you'd make me come home. You left without your insulin. Yeah, which is why I'm in here. Who brought you here? A guy took me to his sister's place, and she brought me here on the bus. <sighs> I don't understand you at all. We try to teach you the right way, but you're like a wild horse. We never know what you're doing. All I did was walk around with my sketch pad and draw things. A girl alone. Don't you know the city's dangerous? I can take care of myself, Dad. Well, I hope you can come home in time for your brother's bar mitzvah. That was my junior year. I kept stealing, and they caught and expelled me in my senior year. So I went to work full time. I could have returned to school, but didn't. Then Solly called. He had joined the army, but was discharged after a few months. We started dating. We married in June 1960. From the first, he was very cruel to me. Even so, I got pregnant and spent most of my time in the hospital because of my diabetes. Our daughter came early by C-section and died two days later, so I went to my parents' home to recuperate. Ricky, look at this newspaper article. Solly's in jail. He tried to kill your neighbors. What? Oh, wow. 
I'm glad I wasn't home. I wonder what triggered it. Is he violent? He has a very cruel nature, Dad. Is that why you spent so much time in the hospital? It was my diabetes and his abuse, Daddy. I can't talk about it. Don't go back to him. Your marriage can be annulled. I reverted to my old ways of sleeping around, trying to fill the emptiness and longing within me. When I became pregnant again, my parents sent me to a home for unwed mothers. In spite of my diabetes, my second baby was a beautiful, healthy boy. Did you see him napping? Yes, we saw him, Ricky. And he's beautiful. Just think, he's only two weeks younger than my nephew. They'll grow up to be close, like brothers. You can't keep this baby, Ricky. Why not? You're not married, that's why. But that's not fair. I want my baby. Better for you, son, if you let a good Jewish family adopt him. <laughs> I might not have another baby with my diabetes. How can you raise a child? You're still childish yourself. You must let him go, Ricky. They persuaded me to give up my son for adoption, and I resumed my wayward life. The separation from my son after his birth just made a deeper hole in me, and I'd do almost anything to try to forget my pain. Mom laid down rules that I couldn't keep, so I moved into a room in Manhattan. There, in the lobby of the apartment building, I met John. Hey! Haven't seen you before. You weren't looking. I am now, and I like what I see. <laughs> You're as bad as I am. <laughs> I hope so. Birds of a feather and all that. You're not Jewish, are you? No. Do I have to be? Yes. Aw, oh, come on. You can go out with a goy like me. Maybe once. What's your name, doll? Ricky. Ricky? Short for Rebecca. I have two cousins named Rebecca, and they nicknamed us to distinguish who should respond when being called. I'm not calling you Ricky. I'm calling you Rebecca. We dated more than once, but I was kicked out of my room for non-payment of rent, so I moved back in with my parents. By then, I was pregnant again. Predictably, I got sick and was hospitalized. So John picked me up when I was released. You're gonna be okay, Rebecca. I don't see how. My parents won't let me come back to their house. Because of me? I think they're tired of my escapades and taking care of me. I won't get tired of taking care of you, honey. You can live with me. It's a tiny room, but we'll look for a bigger one. I'll be able to work, John. Being pregnant with diabetes is not easy. Don't you worry, love. The Irish know how to survive. We'll make out just fine. John had even less education than I did, but we stayed together. My baby daughter died right after she was born. Three C-sections, no babies. We moved in with John's sister, but when we didn't pay the rent, she called my father, asking for money. We snuck out a window and rented a furnished room. Rebecca, look what I have. What is it? A check from your dad. He sent it to my sister's house. 
How did you get it? I put in a change of address, and it came here. Great! Oh, we can sure use the money. I didn't make much in tips today, and the rent is past due. We can use the money to go somewhere else. Skip the rent. Okay. Where are we going? Away from New Brunswick. John got a car somehow, and we drove to Baltimore to get a fresh start. In our first year together, we lived in six different cities in three states. John was a thief and a con artist, and I went right along with him. We were always on the lam. Our first anniversary found us in Washington, D.C., where John stole some expensive watches and then fled to Norfolk. A few months later, I joined him. Did you miss me? Of course. Did you miss me? You know the answer to that. Did you sell the watches? No. I sent them back. <laughs> now I've heard everything. An honest thief. No. A thief with a conscience. Besides, I couldn't sell them. Have you found a job yet? Yeah. Restaurant counterman. In fact, Rebecca, I think you can work there too. Think so? Sure. You can take my place. I got fired today. Folks, we'll get back to Becky's story in just a moment, but first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org. And then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled. We take checks. You mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now back to the classic story of Becky Kelly. For the next three years, I worked as a waitress in Norfolk. We wanted a baby, but because of my diabetes, we thought I couldn't have a successful pregnancy. Then a woman I worked with offered us a solution. She's willing to let us have a baby when it's born? All we have to do is pay the hospital bill. How soon is she going to deliver? In about a month. If you want to do this, Rebecca, it's fine with me. Oh, John, thank you. You have such a good heart. I knew you'd say yes. All we have to do is figure out a way to pay the hospital bill. We can do it. Yeah. While you're sleeping, I'm thinking of ideas. We can adopt the baby as our own, and it won't matter if I don't get pregnant. We can't legally adopt them because we're not married, Rebecca. But we can sure raise him as our own. And as long as we love him, he'll never know the difference. After he was born, 
We took the baby boy and named him Michael. Then I realized that I was pregnant too, and our son Dennis was born six and a half months later. My babies always came early because of my diabetes, but Dennis was a healthy boy. We left Norfolk when he was a month old, heading north. I got pregnant again, but that baby died right after he was born. You doing okay, Rebecca? Yes. How are the boys? Okay. They're with the sitter. You're on your way to work? Yeah. Can't stay long. The doctor told me if I get pregnant again, I'll have to have an abortion. Why? Five C-sections are too many. I can't risk another one. The pain within was almost too much to bear. But I still had two sons and John, so I tried to adjust and ignore the pain and longing within me. We finally settled in Alexandria, where John worked days and I worked nights. We didn't have much, but we always had enough to eat, a place to live, and I always had my insulin. One day while I was out shopping, someone on the street handed me a pamphlet. Miss, can I give you something to read? What is it? It tells you how to get to heaven. I'm a Jew. I know how to get to heaven. Well, it doesn't matter that you're a Jew. God has a special way for everybody to get to heaven, and it's the same way for every person. He is no respecter of persons. Jews are God's chosen people. We automatically go to heaven. The Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Without being covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. Wow, you don't hold back, do you? It's true. That's how much you know. Jews don't go to hell unless they commit murder or bank robbery or something really major. Mm, the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus is the Lamb of God, the only sacrifice for sin that God accepts. I don't want to talk about religion. I didn't either, John, but he was really in my face about this. Ignore him next time. Sometimes I miss the Jewish customs that I observed growing up. I had a bat mitzvah, you know. So you said. I can still recite the Shema in Hebrew. Good for you. Now can we not talk about religion? We don't need that kind of trouble. Speaking of trouble, John, what are we going to do about Michael? What's wrong with him? We don't have the adoption papers, and he doesn't have any kind of ID. How can he start school? Maybe we can have him baptized and get a certificate. Where? That church I pass on the way to work. They might give him a baptismal certificate. Call and see if we can get him baptized. Will you go with me? I've never been to a church. Sure. I read the pamphlet given to me by that man. And I couldn't forget what he said, or the words from the pamphlet. John took me to church in November, just before Thanksgiving. I had gone to Sunday school every week growing up, to study Hebrew and the history of the Jews. But for the first time in my life, I went to a church and their women's Sunday school class. The teacher knew nothing about me, so I was surprised at her teaching. Well, class... The world is in a mess. 
isn't it? But it's always been that way since the fall of Adam and the Garden of Eden. We're all infected with sin. Even those who know the Lord struggle with temptation. But we have a Savior, a Helper, who gives us counsel and strength. I have a Jewish friend who is very burdened with the world situation. She sees a world without hope, but I'm not burdened. And I told her I wasn't because Jesus is my Savior, and he has given his peace to me. Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It was that simple. I knew that somehow God had sent me to that church to know how to find his peace. I had heard about the Messiah. Every Passover, we had a place setting at the Seder for Elijah the prophet because he would precede the Messiah. And there he was. The Messiah had been there all the time. I recognized him by the joy that leapt into my heart as I internally accepted everything they taught me about him that day. I didn't really understand all that was happening to me, but it was great. I bought a Bible the next day and began to read it. Who's that? I'll peek out and see. Oh, it's the pastor of that church we went to last week. Well, I'm out of here. I don't want to talk to him. Where are you going? Upstairs. Tell him I'm sick. Hello, I'm Pastor Dave. I'm the pastor of yes, USR. Yes, I know. Hi, Pastor. Come on in. Thank you. I just wanted to welcome you to our church. Is your husband here? Yes, but he's not feeling good. Please, sit down. Thanks. I also wanted to see if you had any questions for me. I have a ton of questions, but I've been reading the Bible, and I think it has the answers. <laughs> it certainly does. Jesus is the Messiah, isn't he? Yes. The entire Old Testament speaks about him. I'm Jewish, but Sunday was the first time I recognized him. Wonderful. I've never in my life been happy or contented with anything or anyone. But now I go around singing, at work, at home, everywhere. I feel so happy. Sounds like you were born again. People ask why, and I tell them, I have Jesus in my heart, and he's coming out of my mouth. What about your husband? Uh, he's not interested in what I have. The pastor went over the scriptures with me and led me in a prayer of repentance so that I could express outwardly what had already happened in my heart. John wouldn't go to church with us, but he always drove us to church and picked us up afterward. I wanted to wait for him to join me when I made my profession publicly, but a year later, I went forward to make a public profession of faith in Jesus as my Messiah, the Savior of the world. John came to my baptism, but would never attend any other services with us. I loved the sermons. Jesus understood the depravity of the human heart. He said, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, 
because their deeds were evil. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, God knows your heart, your words, your every thought, and yet he loves you. He loves you so much, he doesn't want to leave you the way you are. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Saved from what, you ask? Saved from hell, eternal damnation, and agony that's too painful to express with words. God doesn't send anyone to hell. We choose to go there when we reject his offer of salvation through his Son, Jesus Christ. How's your husband, Becky? Still won't come to church with us. He's a hard-headed Irishman, stubborn as they come. We're all praying for him. He used to be a boxer, you know, so he's fighting conviction now. Keep praying, Becky. With God, all things are possible. Even John Kelly's salvation. John was the father of my children, and I loved him. We had lived together for 13 years and finally married in 1976. I got pregnant again, and we had another healthy son. Sean was our last baby. Ours was a quiet life with three sons who faithfully attended church with me, even attending Christian schools. But John wouldn't go to church with us. He spent 22 years fighting the Holy Spirit's conviction. But you can't wrestle with God and win, not in the long run. On August 22, 1993, my Johnny had a stroke and lay in the hospital. At last, God had his attention. How is he doing, Becky? Much better, Pastor. The church is praying for him. Some people came to the house this afternoon and said they were here earlier to see John. They said that he repented of his sins and prayed to receive Jesus as his savior. Praise God. Amen. They stopped by the house to tell me the good news. And John confirmed it just now. Then whatever happens, he's ready to meet the Lord. John worked to overcome the effects of the stroke and recovered enough that he could drive and walk without a cane. But then he suffered another, more devastating stroke, and I became his caretaker at home. Our sons were grown up and gone by then. Mom, how you doing? Fine, son. I don't know how I could do this without the Lord. You're such an inspiration, always cheerful. Well, I'm blessed. How's Dad doing? The same. He manages to communicate his needs. You're special, Mom. Oh? He's fortunate to have you looking after him like this. It's a privilege, son. I love your father. And when things get tough, I remember that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I'm just glad that Dad is saved now. Me too. Took him so long. But that was the blink of an eye to the Lord. I'll stay with Dad if you want to get out for a while. I appreciate that. Uh, no problem. What are all these cards? 
I send out birthday cards to parishioners for the pastor. I can't teach Sunday school now because I can't leave your dad, but I can do this at home. <laughs> like I said, you're very special, Mom. I took care of John for 14 years. He went home to the Lord in May 2007. We had lived terrible lifestyles before the Lord saved us. But since God saved us, we know he can save anyone. All our sons professed faith in Christ at an early age, and our youngest son is now a pastor. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by him. Listening friend, you can know the truth that sets you free when you repent of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart and life. God knows your heart, friend, but you have to take the step of faith by praying to him for salvation. Let us know if you desire to receive the Lord and we'll send you some literature to help you in this crucial decision. The address, Pacific Garden Mission, 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607 or call 1-888-NEED-HIM. Now, we love hearing from our listeners here on the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, so send us your questions and we'll answer them here. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We'd love to hear from you. Now, before we get to our sweepstakes drawing info, I just want to remind you to subscribe or like our Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. You can even share it or tell a friend. We'd also love for you to review or rate our podcast and don't forget to check out our other podcasts on this same platform, Unshackled Daily Devotionals and Unshackled in Person. We appreciate your input and involvement in our ministry. And again, please consider supporting us so we can freely offer quality Christian programming to the world. All right, folks, the winner of the sweepstakes for the beautiful scripture plaque will be announced on our social media and right here on this podcast next week. So keep an eye out because the following sweepstakes drawing will begin immediately after that. This will be your next opportunity to enter and potentially win one of these beautiful reminders of God's word. And next time... Who's there? Don't move. Whoa. What are you doing? Please, please don't point that at us. In a country ravaged by war, a young guerrilla soldier becomes a fugitive. Is it just the two of you here? We're alone. Someone else has been here. An army captain looking for a fugitive. You are that fugitive, I take it? With the government out hunting him down, the young man sought sanctuary in a mission station to mend his wounds. Are you a doctor? No, I'm a missionary. But as an army medic in Vietnam, I treated a lot of wounds. Then you can look at it. It was there that he came to see that many wars and movements failed to deliver peace and prosperity. You've been saying the cause for which I fight? The cause that cost me this hole in my arm is certain to fail because it's led by sinful men? Yes. But you suggest that if I were to become a Christian, I would be a changed man. Don't miss this Independence Day classic on Unshackled. Heard in the classic true story of Becky Kelly were Mara Kate Burns, 
Jeff Parker, Howard Friedland, Jane Hahnemann, and Brian Ploharchik. Original music, Don Badorf. Sound effects, Martin Robinson. Recording engineer, David Pierczynski. Audio engineer, Michael Kahn. Script, Kenitha Gabler. That's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>